0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Many kids go through a stage where they're afraid of the dark, but not every kid grows up to become an astronaut.
1: Ground control to major so, so.
0: Chris Hadfield is a retired astronaut and was the first Canadian to walk in space. He was also an engineer and Royal Canadian Air Force fighter pilot. He's also an author and a dad. His latest book is called The Darkest Dark. It's a beautiful children's book with an autobiographical tale of a little boy's dream. He joins us on the line. Hi, Chris. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you. And it's a delight to be speaking with you and everyone. Thank you.
0: Before we ask you some astronaut questions, which is a bit hard to go past, we'd love to talk about The Darkest Dark. I've read it to my kids, and it's so beautifully written and illustrated. This was inspired by your own experience as a child, wasn't it?
1: Oh, boy, more than inspired, Siobhan, it's very much based on my own childhood, the inspiration that I had, the people that really sort of made me think about myself differently and things that I might someday be, and also what sort of person I wanted to become when I grew up. How did did I see myself growing up? Not necessarily what job, but what type of person did I want to become? That's really what we wanted to capture in the book, And, and working with the Fan Brothers The artists, they just did a beautiful job of of capturing both the innocence, but also the beauty and, and power of the dark. They know how to draw the darkness very well.
0: I mean, you mentioned the illustrations and there was just looking at that book, it felt like going back to a time when in the book, you mentioned there was only one television on the island. And even though that may not have been the case for most people growing up, A television, just one television, no other screens, no mobile phones. That's pretty much how many of us grew up before we had our own kids. Well, I'm just wondering, was space for you something that you were fascinated with that maybe children today can't connect with as readily because they've got all these other things between them and the sky?
1: No, I don't think so, Siobhan. I speak in schools, and I have for the last 25 years, and that same Delight, that same thrill of discovery, that same uh, wonderment at the rest of everything it's it 's exactly there in i in the, 've I've probably spoken in a thousand schools and and uh, I think just because i 've gotten older that doesn 't mean children have changed and and um, and I think you could probably say the same about about us I mean our parents didn 't have. Television. They may not have telephones when they were little or, and, or there weren't telegraphs before that, but that doesn't stop children from dreaming or imagining what sort of future they might have. And, uh, and we've learned more about our universe in the last 10 years than we knew in the last 10,000 years, and we're just starting to discover things. So, so no, I, I think that whole age is just beginning, and, and the thrill and wonderment are just as strong as they've ever been.
0: Was it your fascination with space as a child that helped you overcome your fear of the dark?
1: Yes. When you look up into the night sky, that's where everything else is. There's almost an unlimited number of stars and an unlimited number of planets. And therefore, maybe an unlimited number of other uh, little children looking back at me across the time and the distance. And, And that all happens in the dark. And, and the dreams happen in the dark. That's that's where you think of big ideas. So, I think realizing that just because I can't see as clearly as I do in the daytime, that doesn't necessarily mean I have to be scared. It's just different. That's all. And if I think about it carefully and look at it during the daytime then I can see the darkness for what it truly is. You know, it, it's the things that we don't know yet, and it's the wonderment, and it's the, the opportunity to imagine things. It was looking up at the moon where the, where the very first people were walking in the moon and then looking at the stars beyond that I think uh, helped me see darkness. For what it actually is, it's it's kind of our doorway to all the things we don't yet understand.
0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation, and we're speaking with Chris Hadfield, who's a retired astronaut and author. We're talking right now about his children's book called The Darkest Dark. It's a beautifully illustrated book. Um, really, it's about overcoming your fears and following your dreams. Speaking of these big dreams you had as a child, Chris, at nine years old, you watched the first moon landing as it happened on TV. What happened in that moment for you?
1: I'm from Canada, and and we sure then did not have any astronauts. Canada didn't have astronauts. We didn't have a space agency. We didn't have rocket ships. And so to me, spaceflight was imaginary. It was something that Captain Kirk was doing on television <laughs> or that, uh, you know, some computer was doing in, in a movie theater. But it, it wasn't anything that I thought was real. It was just sort of uh, impossible. But what really struck me, uh, even though I wasn't quite 10 years old, about the first two people walking on the moon, was that on that morning, that was impossible. It wasn't hard to walk on the moon that morning. It was impossible, and yet by the time late at night when I went to bed on on July 20th that night, uh, Neil and Buzz had put footprints all over the moon, and that realization that impossible things can happen as the result of a big imagination and then a huge amount of work, that was really important for me to know, that impossible things can happen. And so you ask what, it, what effect it had on me or how it changed what I was thinking, It allowed me to realistically imagine myself doing something that I used to think was impossible. It allowed me to sort of realistically imagine something that didn't exist yet. And and it inspired me. uh, That's why I, as a teenager, I I learned to fly gliders and then airplanes and then went to uh, several different universities and became a pilot and an F-18 pilot and a test pilot and then had a chance to fly in space three times and all of that is as a result of being inspired by something that I watched uh, when I was just nine years old.
0: It sounds like, I was going to ask you um, what message you'd like kids to take away from your book, but in some ways, um, I know when I read books to my kids, there are some children's books that speak to me as a parent as well. It sounds like your book could do both things. It could inspire kids to follow their dreams, but also for parents to understand that anything's possible as well. I mean, would you say that you can get both those messages from, for both children and adults out of your book?
1: I hope so, Siobhan. Uh, I think there's two other important things in the book. One is that it's normal and okay to be afraid. Everybody is afraid. Everybody. That's normal. We're not the biggest, strongest beasts on earth. You know, we're, we we don't have big claws or big teeth, or we can't. We're not the fastest, or we can't fly the highest. We're, we're. It's natural to be afraid of a lot of things around us, but we have really good brains, and we can think our way through things, and that's how you overcome fear. That the best way to not be afraid is is to have a plan and know what you're doing, and 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 think about what you don't know how to do yet, and get good at that thing. And I think that's an important message for a young one to, to consider as well, that it's okay to be afraid, but it's what you do about your fear that is really important for your life. And then for as the kids get older and as parents are reading the book, we were very careful to include uh, a special section that I wrote at the back for, uh, with some imagery of me as a child, so that they know that this isn't just a pretend book. This isn't just imaginary, you know, it's not just Boopsy goes to the moon, but it is a real person. This is a real thing that happened. And these were the things that were inspiring me. And this is what my dog looked like and my brothers and sisters. And And I think for a, as a child gets a little older, or maybe as the parent is reading that book, that they can see the initial part of it with the drawings, but then link it through to a, a real-life person uh, who managed to do these things and, and turn their dreams into something real, I think that part of it, hopefully, is uh, is just as important as the story, and it may be the part that that lasts the longest.
0: Speaking of realizing your dream, it is a it's a big thing to realize your dream, regardless of what your dream might be, whether it's writing a book or climbing Mount Everest or going to out into outer space. Your dream was particularly big and took a long time to work towards. What did it actually feel like to realize your dream? I mean, to be in space, you know, physically and psychologically, because it was, it was such a huge thing that you are working
1: towards. Well, I was a little bit worried, Siobhan, because I had, I had been dreaming about it and imagining it and hoping that I would really like it. You know, what, what if I got <laughs> to space that I didn't like it, you know? I, I'd kind of done a lot of work to be there, but it, like a lot of things, it turned out to be better, better than I dreamed it would be. The, to go around the world every 90 minutes, to cross all of Australia in six minutes from mm-hmm. one side to the other, to to go around the world thousands of times, to float weightless like magic, as if someone just gave you a superpower to to fly a spaceship, all of those things were better than they dreamed they would be. And that was so delightful. That, you know, and, and my dreams aren't done, of course. That's the beauty of, of the dark and of being a human being. We're always free to dream something new. Imagine yourself doing something else that you haven't done yet, or or what what still makes you a little bit afraid, like the dark? What are you afraid of and why? And how can you maybe figure out how to do that better and, and, and turn yourself into a slightly different person or somebody that you want to be that doesn't end when you're when you're nine years old or, or at any point hopefully during your life that that whole idea of, uh, of thinking about what what gives you a little shiver up your back and why, and how can I maybe look at that in a different way? so that it teaches me something and I learn something from it and, and make that part of, of who I'm going to be. To me, that is is a really important facet of, of what I do now and, and how I've conducted my whole life. And and hopefully in The Darkest Dark or my other two books, the uh, that, that some of those ideas um, rub off on people or, or maybe they think about them and maybe decide whether they want to incorporate that in their own lives or not.
0: When you talk about that time you were in space, what was the most challenging thing about it?
1: Yeah, I've flown in space three times. I flew the American Space Shuttle twice and the Russian Soyuz once and all told live in space over half a year. Um, the most challenging part, Siobhan, is actually everything that you have to remember. It, it, is, <laughs> it is staggering it is, it, because, because you're away from Earth. And you're a tiny little crew, sometimes only three people. And you have to remember everything about everything. Because normally you can ask for help. You can call down to mission control and they can help you. But normally when something goes wrong, one of the first things you lose is your ability to communicate with Earth. Your your radios fail or your communication links fail. And so the real bottom line out of that is you have to, Understand everything. You have to remember it all. Something somebody told you six years ago, once, and they said, "Hey, just remember. If this happens, <laughs> you have to remember how to do this." And, and there's 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 fifty thousand of those things, and and so really the hardest part of being an astronaut is the years and years and years of study and and preparation and turning your dreams into reality, and then somehow. Keeping track of all that information and remembering it so that when the moment comes, you have the right little bit of information. You can somehow de- retrieve it out of the back of your brain um, and uh, and do the right thing at the right moment. That, that's that's a really hard part of being an astronaut. You have to be a good student, but you also have to really learn how to learn things. And you really have to want to.
0: And you but, can't but Google at the same
1: it. Time, no, no, <laughs> you can't Google it. on board. no. And and the, but the best part is, it is magnificent. It's magic, being on a spaceship. It, you see a sunrise or a sunset every forty-six minutes, and and the world is so generously beautiful. The outback of Australia is is unbelievably gorgeous. It looks like this huge um, Jackson Pollock painting, and it's it's constantly there, just um generously and and effortlessly floating underneath you in all of its glorious colors and and you cross the whole Pacific in thirty minutes and and the whole world becomes like your hometown and And, and so it's a lot of work, but it, but the result it outweighs everything. it's uh, it's everything that I could have ever dreamed of.
0: you mentioned just before a moment before that um Part of your life is is almost reinvention, redreaming, pursuing new things. What is next in line for you?
1: Oh, a lot of different things. Uh, I've written two other books. I'm I'm going to write a fourth book. I just finished uh, filming a series with BBC that'll be on BBC Two about astronaut selection. And then I'm filming a series right now with National Geographic that we call One Strange Earth or One Strange Rock uh, About Our Earth. One Strange Rock on National Geographic, and we're about, we've already been filming in 30 countries, and we're about halfway through that. And that'll be, I think, a really good look at ourselves. And uh, I just did a, a series. Um Uh, on on how big our solar system is called Miniverse. Uh, I went on an expedition to the high Arctic with a team of people on an old Russian icebreaker, almost right to the North Pole. And I brought along people that could share it with the whole world, videographers and and photographers and a musician and a writer. And and I think about 20 million people came along that voyage with us as a result. And uh, I I teach at university, um, so... So I have all sorts of
0: so you 're busy
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and I, I play a lot of music as well i 've written a lot of music, and I, I, I uh, play music with symphonies and it 's wow. lovely to be able to stand out in front of a symphony and play and sing music that i 've written with the whole symphony playing the the score behind me and showing images of, of space exploration and talking about the same ideas. That are in the book, the darkest dark. About what does this mean to us, and where does it take us, and and how do we turn ourselves into somebody that that, that we haven't that we haven't managed yet? All all of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm plenty busy, but uh, <laughs> but that's how you get stuff done. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> That's the interesting part of life.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, Chris, uh, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been truly inspiring. And um, the book, The Darkest Dark, is out now. We'll put a link up to it on our website. Chris, thank you so much.
1: Love, lovely to speak with you, Chantal. Thank you, Chris. Okay.
0: That was Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield, as I mentioned, we will pop a link up to his book, The Darkest Dark, on our website. What an inspiring man. And I'm floating in a most...